In this episode of Man vs. Marriage, hard talks, difficult discussions, why and how. The podcast. How good do you want your life to be? It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. Man versus Marriage. Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Man versus Marriage. It is I, your humble servant, the Q Dog, in the Moran family studio with my lovely wife, Jeannie Moran. Hello. Hello. Now, I got to tell you, I feel like absolute garbage today, and I do not know why. So I'm trying my best to come through for this man versus marriage nation, even though I feel exhausted, which I typically do not feel because I'm a machine. But today, I'm not feeling great. But I'm going to crank this thing out because it's very, very important that we do this for our peoples. So honey, hard talks. You know before we get deep into it, what, when we first started uh, meeting with Coach Rita, what was your mindset when it came to hard talks? Where were you in that? Oh, shit. Okay, E for explicit. (laughs) So, why was that? Did you have a certain, like, perception of how I would take it or how it would go? Or tell tell me more about that, oh, shillelagh. Well, we had a hard time talking anyway, so knowing that we had to say the things that were um, hurting us or making us angry or the discussions that obviously were already kind of skirting around, I wasn't looking forward to it. Was there any part of you that thought I just couldn't take it? Mm. I don't know if it was that I didn't think you could take it, I think it was more, I didn't know where the argument would go. But see, I didn't understand. When we first said we were having hard talks, I thought she meant we were going to fight things out. I didn't realize that she meant we were going to let the other person speak and listen. And then we could ask questions. We weren't supposed to argue the point. Yeah. So in the beginning, my first thought was, oh, crap, this is going to be a huge argument. And I wasn't sure where it was going to go because we were already struggling with arguments. Yeah, we we were. And that's because nobody was listening, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a big deal when it comes to. Well, we weren't talking, let alone listening. We weren't talking. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, maybe we were talking to ourselves, And, you know, I was guilty and every once in a while can be of kind of pre-arguing the argument. Mm hmm. When I don't really know what your mindset is. For me, with hard talks, coming and sitting down in front of Coach Rita and in in the office with you, my mindset was uh, specific, specifically on how could I get better? How can I make this better? You know, and I was very upfront with her to tell her that I like whenever I say something, I'm. I'm calculated. Sometimes I'm too slow to say something, but I always want to say the right thing. So I kind of put myself on blast so that I would give 
the real answer. Not that I'm giving a fake answer. I just want to be diplomatic mm -hmm. in how I speak because I don't want I for too long in my life I would just say the first thing that came to my mind and the filter just wasn't there. And I don't want it to be like you can't really just be yourself. I would just pop off without thinking things through. And whether it was making fun of myself or other people or making jokes too soon, which I'm really good at and it's really not good most of the time, I just, at, at that point, I would want to say it perfectly right. And I wanted to make her aware that I do that and to call me on it if I'm just taking too much time to think through instead of just saying what's on my heart so we can fix it. I was trying to fix everything before it came out of my mouth, and that kind of circumvents the, the coaching that we were mm -hmm. in, if I could say it that way. So what Coach Rita and her husband would do is they would have once a week where they would air the grievances. Now, I remember... Uh, I don't remember the, the content specifically, but I remember that when we sat down for our first hard talk uh, after counseling, and it was our homework, that's the homework that she would give us, and we sat down, and I don't know how I flipped the switch the way that I did, but I was prepared to not take what you said personal and just let you say how you felt about what was on your heart, even though... It could have been or would have been and was probably most likely something I was doing to make you miserable. So however it worked, whatever, however she told us to do it, it made sense to me to say, look, if, even if it's about you directly, don't take it personal. It's how she feels. You don't need to tell her how to feel. Let her tell you how you feel, how she feels. And then you ask the question, you know, how can we fix it? So I remember us sitting in, you know, our old house over on Spawn. It went a lot better than I anticipated. But those are the conversations where we got down to the bottom of what was really holding our relationship at bay, which was, for me, was resentment. It was, it was clear that I was resenting you, and it had a lot to do with my job. And uh, it kind of felt like, you know, you were holding me hostage in that job. And yours was, mm. I know there was an issue with you thinking that, you know, when I would talk to you, it was like your dad was talking to you and maybe holding me to a standard or holding me to what well, no, your dad would say. No, mine was that you were never home. Okay. You so. were you were always chasing after the next uh, entrepreneurship or moneymaker or the next great adventure for somebody else, but you weren't home and partaking in the adventure that we had going on, and I was struggling with it because I was surrounded by the kids all the time. I didn't have adult conversation, and when I did have adult conversation – I was so pissed off about everything because it was either your job or this great idea that you were going to go do with your cousin or this great idea that you were going to go do with your friend or so-and-so wants you to come coach or so-and-so says we could go do this. And they were all great ideas. They just all scared the hell out of me because it meant 
you weren't going to be home. And I was going to have more time with these little humans and just me. Mm -hmm. Which, it that makes sense. And, you know, therein is when uh, when I ultimately decided that I had to walk away from um, coaching football and, and get to being a dad because I loved and still love being a dad. So it's not like I was avoiding – it wasn't my goal to avoid those responsibilities. Um, you just do what you see. You were just focused on, on the primary responsibility of making sure that the bills were paid, there was food on the table, which I understand, but – at, given what we had going on and the ages of all the kids and the fact that I was, again, pregnant, um, it was just – and then we had a lot of medical. A lot. I mean, I spent a lot of time staring at hospital walls, not because I wanted to, but because the, she couldn't be in the hospital by herself. So um, there was a lot of, of depression weighing down on me, and it wasn't necessarily that it was your fault. It was just – where I was, but you weren't around. I had nobody to talk to. I had nobody to explain it to. And when I tried to, I sucked at it. Yeah. Well, in those times I couldn't be around because I would have been working while you were, you were at the hospital and it was just, we both had some things that we needed to work through and then we needed to communicate better and life we weren't taking the time because we didn't know how, and life was not necessarily affording us the opportunities to do so. We learned to survive, and that's what our marriage was. We were surviving every day, and the only rule that we stuck to in the beginning was as long as you kissed me and said you loved me every day, we were good. And that was kind of, unfortunately, the rut that we got stuck in with all the stuff that was going on at the time. Now well, we've still got just as much going on, but at least we're on the same page. We talk more. You know, everything is very, very, very different. It is, and that's because we have the benefit a of w a willingness to work on our relationship and ourself, but b we have the tools and the strategies um, available to us now that we didn't then. Mm -hmm. And the fact is, is that Coach Rita sat in front of a lot of married couples, and not everybody took the tools and applied them to their relationship and got better. Yeah. You know, and that's why I say willingness is so important because if you're willing to change and you're willing to put the work in, that that goes, sometimes that goes a lot farther than the best tools that are available because if you have a ton of tools and you don't do anything with them, then nothing's going to change. Well, and the big, the, the big slap in the face, which was kind of funny, actually, was the realization when we went to her that the first person we went to to help us with our marriage wasn't, wasn't helpful. I almost said something. Um, but it came across as everything was Quincy's fault. And... I, looking back at it now, I still laugh about it because when my parents went through counseling, it was very, very common for my mom to come and tell me, the doctor said the same thing that I've been saying. It's his fault. If he would just do this, 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 and this, then everything would be fine. And it's like, Rita looked at both of us and said, okay. So the first thing you have to realize is there's two people in this marriage. Mm -hmm. And although there may be, may be some things that you want Quincy to do differently, you are going to have to make your own adjustments. You're going to have to be self-aware and find what's going on with you 
to cause the reactions or the arguments. It's like, what are you doing? Because talking to me, anybody who knows me, I'm real good with sarcasm. It's, it's, I'm fluent. I'm very fluent. Mm-hmm. And I can be joking or I can be going after the jugular. It just depends on what's going on. A lot of people don't know the difference, though, when talking to me if I'm playing or I'm not playing. And that was one of the things that Rita brought up. She's like, you're going to have to learn to curb that because a lot of the things that were being said to you, I wasn't saying them to be a dick. It was just the way I say stuff. But it was hurtful. And then when I went for the jugular, there was no question I was going after you because the stuff that I said cut deep with an intention. But that wasn't what I wanted to be. It's not who I wanted to be with you. You know, those were the things I was trying not to do. And yet it was so natural. It's trained. It was just ingrained in me to do it. Now I'm actually at a place, thank God, where I can stop it before it gets to my mouth because we've got nine humans that I can make or break Yeah. very, very simply. But it, it was just an eye-opener to have somebody come in and say, yeah, you're not going to roll all this off on your spouse. There's two people involved. Mm-hmm. There's two people that have issues or two people that are not happy. And it didn't just happen overnight where one person came home and decided I'm not happy and it's all your fault. So you have to realize it's not just about putting in the work. It's about being willing to take the things that you tell me that I've done or said and go back over why I would say something like that. What made me think that I needed to say something like that? Because a lot of the times it's protective mode. It's it's trying to protect yourself before someone else takes a shot. You know, you making jokes about yourself and your weight was always to take the shot before someone else did. Yeah, absolutely. So we were doing kind of the same thing, I think, in some of our marriage stuff that I know I was. Because I knew you were going to come home and complain about the house or something that wasn't done or something that I had forgotten because I'm notorious for forgetting to do things. But at the same time, it wasn't taken into consideration then. It is now. It's very different now. But back then, it wasn't taken into consideration. Well, yeah, okay, but I've got five little humans that I'm chasing after. And I've got one that I was trying to teach his alphabet and sign language because he was little and wasn't real good with his speech. And I've got one that just came out of the hospital and I'm constantly watching her because she's autistic and I don't know what the hell we're up against. So we've got to learn this now. You know, we just had so many different things going on that I don't think that ever, that never came to the forefront until we had the hard talks. And then it was like, yeah, but do you realize what I'm dealing with? It's not just, I've got five little kids like somebody in a daycare center. Yeah. And truth be told, the way that you, work the kids throughout the day was a lot different than the way that I work the kids throughout the day. Still is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm we saying. We are very, very different. And I, you know, my, my way was just a lot different, right, wrong or indifferent. My way was a lot different. My way still is a lot different. Um, but that's because I'm very, I'm a very, you know, regimented process person and, you know, um, I'm organized in chaos and it, and it's, and it's just different. But I couldn't come home and run my house like a business because it's not a business. Mm-hmm. It's my house. So there had to be some balance there. But, you know, I remember back in the day 
when I would help washing the dishes and I'm, I talk out loud to myself when I'm working through something. And I remember you being so insulted or just getting upset by the things that I was saying and it had nothing to do with you. It was all me and what, and the way that I was trying to approach it and, you know, coach myself through it. And I remember what the content of it was, but I remember you got really upset and, and thought that what I was saying was applying to you when it wasn't. Um, and I don't even know where I was going with that, but I just know that our ways are much different in the way that we will tackle a problem. Um, and those thing, those are things that we learned through sitting down and having these hard talks and these difficult discussions. And what we had to do in the beginning is we would set time aside once a week so that we could get in the routine of doing something that we had never done before. Because truthfully, what it would be is it would come to, it would all come to a head at one point, and then it would just be an explosion of emotion. Um, I can, you know, I have my moments, and I can be pretty cutthroat, really mean, say some very bad and sarcastic things. I can be very hurtful. I just really choose not to. And I didn't, I didn't want to then either. So, you know, my, my, my method was just to get quiet because if I didn't say anything, maybe there would be nothing to fight about. And for Jeannie's personality, it seemed to just make it worse. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, you know, when you're young, you don't have all the answers. And even when you have all the answers as you get older in life, it doesn't mean that everything's going to work out perfect. So we did that. And it was through that process, I think, you know, us getting down, being honest, um, and really starting to share our heart with each other helped us in building our relationship a lot better because somehow during those times, I wish I would have made more notes during that time. I never, I didn't think I was going to be doing anything like a podcast about it, but I just being, remember being able to say some really hard stuff, being able to hear some really hard stuff and not taking it personal or holding it against you, but saying, wow, that's, yeah, I have, I can own that. I, that's my fault. Whatever whatever it was, just saying, ooh, if that were me, I could be upset about that. So it was through those moments, those really hard moments, those really hard conversations that I really learned a lot about my wife and started to get to know her a lot better, just making myself available to hear you. And... You know, you want to, one of the things, one of the next iterations of that was checking in to see where your love tank is. Is your love tank full? Are your needs being met? And Coach Rita had an illustration for that. And it was just like a gas tank, you know, and uh, on one side, your heart's empty. On the other side, your heart is full, just like in your car, empty or full. And so you're checking with those things. And then you're saying, you're saying the things that need to be said. Not in a hurtful way, but actually in an intentional way so that you're not holding and harboring things against your spouse. Because the longer you harbor or hold things in, 
the more resentment begins to build. And the more resentment you have in, inside in your relationship, the more distance that's going to create. And that distance really just transforms into bitterness. And when you have bitterness in your marriage, it's hard to come back from. It's possible. I mean, we had, I would say we had bitterness and resentment in our relationship. But talking about those things, getting that crap out on the table, it cleared, it cleared space in us, allowed us to heal, and then we were able to replace it with good things. And if something bothers you, you don't you don't want to get nitpicky, but you can take you can take time when you sit down once a week and really just put it out on the table. Mm-hmm. What do you, what would you say? Well, this is one of those places where this is why we taught you say it ugly before we said hard talks because this is one of those moments where you need that preface if something is difficult to talk about if something is um like for Quincy and I one of the hardest topics we deal with is sex I don't know why it's one of the hardest topics but it is it's just uncomfortable sometimes and it's one of those things that or if there's you know things with the kids that come up and we don't see eye to eye on something that's one of those topics where it's real common for one of us to say okay I I don't know how to say this it's just gonna come out ugly but knowing that we put that preface out there, now the hard talk isn't as hard right? because the other person is, okay, this isn't a blow. This is, let me listen, because obviously you're struggling with telling me, but it's bothering me enough that you need to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's one of the things that I would um, bring to light because you and I have had a lot of conversations in the beginning it was like pulling teeth getting us to talk to each other because we, we had grievances, but we just didn't have we didn't have the buzzwords or we didn't have the finesse to say, dude, I don't know how to say this without like tearing you to shreds, and I'm not intending to. I just don't have any better words. And it makes it difficult when you're not intending to hurt somebody and you do because then they don't want to listen to you anymore. That could be the case unless you go into it with an understanding that we're in this together and we're this is us working on a common goal for whatever our relationship is. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, it's a pretty good segue. You mentioned that, you know, it's hard talks are not always about the grievances. Sometimes it's hard talks about sex. And it's not in a negative way. It's oh, I really would like to try X, Y, or Z. But I'm kind of nervous to talk to you about it because I don't know how you're going to take it. Or you wouldn't think I'm a freak. I might be a freak, baby. Mm-hmm. Um, you, because you are make you are in a vulnerable place sometimes when you're talking about sex and what that and what that is, just based on what your background is. I don't know what it is, you know, now with the way that kids, you know, are growing up with instant access to the to the internet and their phone and you know, things of that nature. So, I mean, maybe it's more widely talked about and discussed now, but for us, some of that stuff, most of that stuff was taboo for so long that we just, we didn't know. But then eventually, you know, it it, it really got interesting um, around that time when we started talking about, you know, we watched the Kim Amani videos and, 
You know, we had made leaps and bounds. Oh yeah, just, since then, just the the marriage conference with Bill and Rita, we made some adjustments to things because we had gotten so comfortable with ten minutes. And I know that that sounds like a, a, a pitiful joke to some people. Like, oh my god, y'all, I had was quickies. That's not all we had, but that was often all we got because our dynamic with Kirsten and her sleeping and just everything that was going on sometimes we were passing each other going to the hospital and coming home or we were passing each other in the day and it's like dude i am so freaking tired Mm -hmm. i i've got enough to give you just a little bit and i'm that's it i mean you're doing all the work is basically what it boils down to a lot and when we went to the that first conference or the first marriage thing that we did it was like okay we're missing something Mm -hmm. because it's not a want it's a need that changes things completely for me. And then it was um, having discussions with some people that I'm close to and listening to how they talk about their sex life. And the more I listened to it, the more I thought, God, I don't want to be like that. I just, I don't want our marriage to be like that. That's freaking boring. Mm-hmm. If you're doing the same thing every time, dude. I reckon if it works for you, it works. But for us, but there's um, the, the it's not that it's a bad thing. It's that there are so many things to open yourself up to, so many things that you can do differently. I mean, for us, it was as simple as changing touch. Like, duh, this should be a basic, simple thing to think of. But we just didn't because we didn't put the time into it. It was just like, well, okay, we know the mechanics, we're good. But when we started going a little bit deeper into it, when we got to the Kimamani stuff, that was like, that was a huge game changer. You know, Bill mentioning the lingerie was a game changer for me because I never thought about it. After we got married and we started having kids, I was like, dude, you're not, I'm not. I don't even wear a bathing suit. There's no way in hell I'm wearing lingerie. But then the further we got into it, the more I realized you don't really care if I'm wearing lingerie, it's not like it's good or bad. It's a bonus. You know what I'm saying? So how I thought you would perceive it because I had had babies was not necessarily how you'd perceive it. No. <laughs> His face. Nope. Um, but then when we got into Kimamani and we started um, looking into different things health-wise, and then we started opening up to the fact that neither one of us was really comfortable in our own skin, and those start those things. That's where the hard talks came in. It was like, dude, I'm just not comfortable with myself, let alone being open with this to you, because I don't like me. Yeah, and for me, I never even I, it never crossed my mind that you wouldn't feel sexy. You've always been a knockout to me. I mean, I I'm just like when I see you naked, it's like, oh my goodness sakes. It goes both ways, buddy. They are not love goggles, although you accuse me all the time. They're not love goggles. Well, I've seen myself naked, so that's why it's hard to convince me of anything otherwise. Yes, but you wouldn't turn yourself on. No. I don't turn myself on. That's what you're for. Well, you turn me on. There you go. Rolls worked. See? Hard talks made easy. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, that's why when it, when it comes down to it, it's what it is, it's just a learned technique that you put into your routine that strengthens your communication. And that is precisely why... We have all these episodes um, in this particular order because it's, it, 
they are tools to help you enhance your communication. And it's, we give you our perspective on what has worked for us. And when she says, you know, we were surviving, God help us, we were surviving because there were, I mean, we've talked about this in the podcast. There was a well over, you know, 20 nights in a row where Kirsten did not sleep, whether it was autism or medication, um, gallbladder related. I mean, it was an absolute nightmare. And so that you understand, you know, Kirsten had tore the door off of her room, so she no longer had a door. And what one of us would do is sit in her doorway until she passed out, fell asleep, and then we would try to sneak out of the chair so that she could, she would sleep, and then we could get in bed and try to get some sleep before she woke up and went out and destroyed things. And Jeannie would take the shifts during the week. I would take the shift Friday night, Saturday night, into Sunday, and then we would start over. So we weren't getting a lot of time in the same bed together at all. Because, I mean, when she didn't, she didn't sleep for those 20 nights, I mean... We had to be there. And so not only, and, and then, you know, the really funny thing is, is when you're trying to talk to friends and tell them what you're going through, and, you know, one in particular friend is like, that's not even possible. It's like, how can you tell me <laughs> I've what's <lived> it. <laughs> not possible when we are living it right now? So, I, you know, then you have other people, friends, family, whatever, who can just be so insensitive but we didn't talk to our family about those things that were that were going on. Dude, I didn't even have the words for it. There, there was nothing. My biggest pet peeve is when somebody pities me because of Hunter and Kirsten. I don't want your pity. I don't want your sorry. I just don't. There's nothing wrong with them. They do things differently. It is frustrating as all hell. I'm not even going to try and sugarcoat it. I'm not going to tell you I don't get pissed. There aren't days I want to choke them to death. There aren't days that I get frustrated and it's like, you know what? Somebody else going to take over and I'm leaving because I, I need a breather. We have those days. But when you have the little girl who no matter what med they gave her couldn't sleep mm -hmm. or she slept so hard that she ends up peeing on herself and then she wakes herself up and now she's awake and she can't go back to sleep. So now you've got to clean everything and clean her. Then you got to wait until she gets sleepy again to go back to sleep because she can't be left to her own cognizance. She can't be left alone. And you can't just close the door on a five-year-old and hope for the best that doesn't work. We had to make so many adjustments because we were a lot of people with a lot of things going on and yes, we had some help, but there were things that even the help couldn't do. Yeah. And we just didn't want to discuss it with other people because to be quite honest with you, we hadn't even processed it ourselves. Yeah. There was just so many moments of, I can't tell you how many times we went into the hospital. I, I mean, it, it's sad when your kid has a seizure, you call 911 and you already know. We're going to go to this hospital. They're going to do this, 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 and this. This is who we're going to call. I need you to go home and pack my bag and meet me at this hospital because as soon as they get this process done, we know we're going to airlift to this one, and I'm going to need to be ready to go. You need to get a hold of work. We need to get a hold of a babysitter. Like, we had it planned. 
we got so used to how this works that we had a freaking process to get through it every time it happened. Yeah. And people just couldn't fathom why we were always looking at the next thing coming. Because that's what our life was, was the next shoe was going to drop. We were just waiting for it. Yeah. And we had a plan for it when it happened. But in between, it was like, okay, now that we're home, we never process through what emotions I went through. Because Quincy's at home with the kids. I'm in the hospital with the one who's sick. And this was something that came out in Hard Talks, and it came out with Rita, because we didn't know. And until you have these conversations... I'm telling you, the more you have them, the more you're going, oh, shit, I didn't even think. I totally didn't even realize that was a thing. Mm -hmm. But Rita came out one day and was like, how often did you guys sit down and like decompress and debrief after you got back from the hospital? What do you mean? Yeah, we never made the time <laughs> to do it because life was right back on. Yeah, I got home from the hospital and Quincy went to work the next morning. And that night I was on shift with Kiki. I mean, we just went right back into what we knew because it's what we knew. Yeah. But we never took the time to go through, you know, I listened to all the doctors every day when they came in and told us it could be this, it could be this, it could be this. These are the side effects. This is the downside. All these things that he didn't hear it. I told him what I heard to some extent. But if I'm completely honest with you, I didn't hear everything that they had to say because there were certain things that stuck. Mm -hmm. And once I got to that, whatever it was that they said, and I was convinced, hell no, this isn't happening. That's the one we stuck on. You're going to do whatever you need to do to make sure that that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. The rest of this, I don't care. But that can happen. And that's where we stayed. And then you have to be smiley and happy and, you know, color pictures and create little sticker art and all kinds of stuff because I got to keep my little girl happy. She can't be miserable in the hospital. She has to have some kind of joy because that's who she is. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not happy and she sees that I'm not happy, then she gets sad and she wants to go home and she wants to make it better. None of that stuff made any sense. It was just what we knew and what we had to go through. And then we get home and we're going through the stuff with Rita and Rita's like, Jeannie, you're dealing with depression, dear. Huh? Say like, what? <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're dealing with depression. You're dealing with anxiety. I didn't even know I was dealing with anxiety until when you went in the hospital and everything just hit the fan and I thought I was going to lose myself. I didn't know it had been stacking for so long because we didn't know how to sit down and have a freaking conversation. Right. We didn't know how to apply hard talks to uh, emotional... Um, what would you call that? Emotional awareness. We we didn't know how to we didn't know how to apply hard talks to emotional chaos in our life. Yeah, we just learned to go get through it, and once we were through it, it's like, oh, phew, okay, that's done. We're moving on. Right. No, no, you're not. <laughs> but now, you know, having gone through that, that's where the benefit can come to you, the listener, and say, hey, these are these are actually not just. You don't just use it for hard talks of what has happened in your past. You use it to uh, what do what they call a valve check when you go through a difficult situation and say, hey, yo, how's your heart? Kids, how is your heart? How's everybody doing? When autism has an explosion and somebody gets bit, or you know, or you have to 
you know, save one of your children from your autistic child because they're in a rant. You come back and you use these hard talk moments or the, this hard talk principle in your relationship with your wife or your kids. Say, hey, how's your heart? How are you doing? I know, you know, what we just went through. I mean, we had a room full of kids that stood there and would watch, you know, one of the girls or both the girls have a seizure and be taken away by the ambulance, gone for a week or two, and then come back. And it's like, hey, how are you doing? Are you you doing okay? I mean, God forbid in those days you asked me if I was okay because that was a whole nother box of, you know. That's the point, though, is we didn't realize – that we never took those moments to decompress. And what came out of all of that in these hard talks was I was getting pissed off at you for different things. And really, I just hadn't dealt with what I was going through. Right. So whatever you were doing was pissing me off. And I wasn't even mad at you. I just couldn't get through all the emotion I was already dealing with. And you just happened to be the one to ride on that last nerve that day. And now here we sit going after each other. And it has nothing to do with it. Now going into the hospital, very, very different right. protocol when we go. Or when something happens, it's, it's very, very different on how we approach it. Even with the kids, being able to have a teenager who is just emotionally ready to implode and pulling her aside and saying, okay, I'm going to give you a free pass. I want you to say it ugly. And tell me what the hell is going on. And as soon as I give those two permissions, it's like just letting the dam loose. They just start spewing everything that's going on and how they feel and the tears start. And yeah, okay, so there's cuss words and there's language. That's what the free pass is for. I'm not going to punish you for saying it with uh, language or telling me what somebody else said or repeating something that would normally get you in trouble. I'm giving them the freedom to say it however they need to say it because if I don't, they're not going to tell me and I can't help you if I don't know what the hell's going on. Right. But giving them those tools now and seeing how much it helps you and I, it's like, dude, these are these are huge game changers for anybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, maybe you find yourself, maybe like, Q, dude, check it out. I don't have all this tragedy and emotion and you know crazy ridiculousness going on in my relationship that's okay you can still use these principles and they will allow you to work through difficult situations when they rise there everything everything for us wasn't perfect everything for every married couple isn't perfect so when you if you take these tools and you utilize them, you and your wife work through these situations, or you share this with her, as long as you have awareness, you do things intentionally, and then you, you agree to talk and, and, not, and not allow those things to remain inside so, that you, so, it does, so it builds up resentment, you are going to be much more successful in your relationship and your relationship is going to progress and when your relation when your relationship progresses that just means that things are getting better for both of you and you will have more of what you love in your relationship cuz you're doing it on purpose 
And these hard talks, man, like Jeannie said, it is absolute game changer status. It might be ugly in the beginning, but the more you do it, the more you will clean it up. Now, look, maybe you and your wife sit down to have a hard talk and things get sideways. You got to know when to put a pin in it. You got to know yourself and your spouse. And when you get to a point that maybe you're at an impasse and you cannot move forward, and then maybe it's time to get somebody like a neutral party involved Mm -hmm. to help you talk through it. And that's okay. We've done it a lot. We have. (laughs) That's why we're here today. So it's okay if that's something that you need in your relationship. Don't let your pride get in the way of making your relationship better. Don't let your ego get in the way. It's not worth it. So that is just some, some humble advice from two people who have been in the mud. And I mean, look, it goes in cycles. Sometimes you're successful, your relationship's good, there's peaks, there's valleys, and you might rest on your laurels a little bit. What did you want to say? No, I'm just thinking an example we can use for a hard talk that it it was hard for me because I write romance and my husband's a pastor and my husband has a certain standard that he lives by and romance books, if y'all don't know, are mommy books. (laughs) That it's basically, um, there, there's sex in it. There are scenes in it. And depending on who writes it and how they write it, some look at it as porn, some look at it as trash, some look at it as, as just the next progression in a relationship that happens. I mean, it's the same thing as watching a chick flick, really. Uh, the difference is you're using your imagination instead of watching somebody else play it out on the screen. It was very, very difficult for me to come to Quincy and say, I want to write romance novels. It was the hardest for me to sit down with him and read through some of what I'm writing in the beginning. Because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking of all the things that I know from your past. I know from how you were raised. I know from your way of thinking. Now, Quincy does not do porn, does not do anything at all that will take his mind away from me i view romance novels very differently i'm not picturing other men while i'm sleeping with my husband that's not how this works it's not like watching a porn movie and picturing that person while you're in bed it's very very different for me i don't know how other people do it i'm just explaining for myself yeah i like the connection of the characters watching them grow through whatever it is they're going through and then the happy ending at the end the happy ending. How funny. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> that may happen. Happily but ever after is what you're I talking about. I was worried that he would not be okay with what I was doing because he's a pastor and he has a podcast and his work and all these other things. And what if other people read what I write and it comes out that, you know, his wife writes smut and he's a pastor. This is not going to go well. I struggled for a very long time with this. When we finally sat down and had the conversation and I said, okay, this is what I want to do. This is what it is. And he started seeing, I mean, I have books in the house that have half naked men on them. He knows what I read. There's no question about what it is I'm talking about. But we sat down and started talking about it and he just started asking questions. Why do you want to write it? What is it that you're trying to write? So when I explained to him the storyline and what I was thinking of, he got excited. Mm-hmm. He got into what I was wanting to write because it it's very familiar to us and something that we would watch had it been a, a TV narrative. 
but it was very, very different than what I had anticipated only because we've learned, I got to, I got to tell you, I want to do this and I don't really know that you're going to be okay with it. So I'm not really sure how to have this conversation, but because we know how to say it ugly, we know how he knows what questions to ask me. Yeah. And we had, we had to work through it because it was literally a filter and a, a, it's still one of those things that I wrestle with where it's like, is this going to reflect poorly on him? Is this going to come back and bite him in the ass? Is somebody going to be a jerk about it? So we went around the mountain and just decided, you know what? I'm going to do a pen name and I'm going to do this separate. I mean, if you really looked for me, you could find me. It's not that hard. But then it came to the point of, do I really care? Mm-hmm. I don't because Quincy's all on board with what I'm doing. And if anybody wants to complain about it or see it in a different light or say something about it, I'm going to do what I always do. And I'm going to put my husband in front of you and I'm going to stand behind him because <laughs> 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 I, I have the ability and the right to do that now because you're on board with me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, the fact is it's not the kind of book that I read and, and I do, I have friends that, you know, they watch porn, and it's like, why Why wouldn't you watch porn? Um, you know, you could have sex with Angelina Jolie tonight and, I don't know, some other some other lady tomorrow. And it's like, dude, I do not want to pollute my inner mind with any other woman but my wife. And, and for me, I, I don't want to think about any other woman while I'm making love to my wife except for her. And that's just a personal choice for me. That's that's just how I roll. Not to mention that, you know, it's my opinion that porn can desensitize you. You know, I, I've had friends who were so deep into porn that they they couldn't even orgasm anymore because they had they had like a, ran nothing nothing could get them to that point. No, I understand. And it's like. You know, I, I just choose something different, you know, for me. I like chick flicks on, you know, watching chick flicks on TV. I like romance and, you know, I like sports and rugged warrior stuff. So I I don't really have a problem with it. But it, 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 when it's all said and done, you're an adult, you know. These are things that you love to write. And I think if if you can write a book, nobody else has excuses no other authors have excuses on why they can't write a book if you can with our life yeah. and what you what you work through on a day-to-day basis. So I'm all for it. You're a great writer. And, you know, as as a plus, you let me get involved in talking about character development, the story, the city, and you know, how could I not be excited about it? I'm excited for you to showcase your skills. It just, but like I said, it just in the beginning, because I knew that was a boundary for you personally, it made it difficult for me. Not, and, and it, it was one of those things, like we said, you know, when we had the sex talk, it was the same thing. It was like, dude, is he going to think I'm a freak? Is he going to look at me differently? Is he going to be upset with me? How is this going to go over? And there were questions there. There were times when it was like, you know, I get lost in a story or I'm reading too much or. Um, you know, I'm writing and Quincy's like, you know, I gotta, I gotta ask you what, what does this do for you? Like, is, is this taking yeah. the place of me when we're having sex or is this something that you're getting so into that, you know, is it, t- is it replacing me in some way? And it's like, no, 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 no. 
and we find the fine the the fine balance but not everybody is the same so i'm not going to say not every woman does it the way that i do it because they don't i know some that are very very into what they do and um but that was that was the thing it was like i some of the people that are in the writing community i was like dude if i did that kind of crap my husband would freak but to each his own is, is kind of where I sit. I just wanted to make sure. And I was worried. It's like, you know, if I, first thing I did was my parents and your parents are not reading this stuff clearly. <laughs> but the first thing my mom told me is let me know when it's done. I want to see it. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> you know, and my dad was the same way. My dad was like, I'm an adult. I can handle it. Yeah. He probably could. I don't doubt that, but it's, I didn't know how, you or they would see me afterwards and that that was the hardest part of it was how are you going to look at me am I going to be a freak am I going to be weird am I going to be you know is it going to cause a problem for us because I'm I'm writing and I'm so into what I'm doing it's like I swear to you I'm not spending six weeks on a sex scene that's not what I'm doing but (laughs) he's laughing but I mean it's the truth there's a lot that goes into the process and I didn't want you freaking out when you see you know the search bar and i'm looking at stuff it's like babe what why are we looking this up it's honest it's research for the book i i can guarantee you right now i can picture somebody i know who listens to this who is laughing his butt off in his truck right now i can tell you uh he doesn't listen all the time don't worry he'll catch this one watch with um (laughs) with that being said and i and i appreciate you being concerned about um I'm just trying How to prove it, a point. It's not always the bad stuff that's the hard yeah, talk. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it, it's true. But I do, I do, I can't appreciate you having the concern about what, how it would reflect on me, um, you know, being a, a pastor in the Christian faith and what that might look like. But um, I want to support you in what you're doing. And, and you know, you do have to make your own decision and in, in what you're going to do. I mean... I, going through the book, just to get on a little rabbit trail here, going through the book, the main focus is not on sex anyway. Mm-mm. I mean, it in you know, it's typical chick stuff, and, uh, you know, it does go there, but the main focus is not there. It's There's a story associated with it and and something that somebody's learning about their self and, you know, what the characters are becoming and what part that they play. And so there's a lot more to it. And... I'm, and not that I'm going to read. I don't like to read that much. It's not a, you know, self-improvement book or an inspirational book on its. Well, it depends on who you are. It might uh, inspire somebody. It could. <laughs> and and I, that's why I say on its, on its normal foot, it's not an inspirational book. But these characters will inspire women to do something great with their life. I, I believe that and just, you know, being a part of it. So, but that's it. I mean, just looking at. Um, if I can circle it back around to the hard talks, um, you it's an awareness tool for you to take a step back and look at where you are. How, you know, Do that check on the inside. Locate yourself. Look at your relationship. If things are in a solid, in a mundane routine, you may want to use some of these tools to ask, how is your heart? How is your love tank? Are your needs being met? Don't let yourself get in a, caught in a cycle to where you're doing the same thing over and over again and you're not connecting because that is the most important part. You know, 
like Jenny said, as far as, you know, our sex life at that one point when we were in full survival mode, we were hitting, you know, 10 minutes and done, but we weren't connecting emotionally in that sex. Mm -hmm. You know, we were handling the physical side, but there's no pun intended here. There's a much deeper piece that comes along with sex and intimacy. So that's what we have for you there. We did get off on a couple of rabbit trails, you know, um, talking about some of these things, but that this is our experience and this is where it's at. They were so talks for us. They certainly were. Now you take this, apply it to your relationship and see where it is that you and how you can work through this with your spouse. And don't don't make the mistake I've done when it comes to bettering yourself and self development and come and just dump it all over, you know, your spouse. Um be a little more methodical about it. That's about the best advice I can give you. Yeah. Don't, or don't do it in public. Don't have these conversations in public. Set yourself up for, you know, a coffee date on the porch or around your fire pit or, you know, upstairs in your room for a date night for uh, one night a week or what have you and plan it ahead of time so that you guys know this is happening and these are things that we need to discuss and then let it go until the day it happens. Because if you sit on it and you keep thinking on it, you're going to make the talk harder. Right. That, there will be there will come a time in your relationship when things develop where you don't have to wait for once a week. You're going to want to do something once a week to make sure you're checking in. I think we in, only did it for like three months. And then gradually from there, we just learned when things were coming up to say, we need to have a conversation about something and we would make a plan to say, okay, if we knew this was going to be a long conversation, we would make a plan for us to have some time together and, and make sure that we got it all out. But we did have in passing conversations to say, this is what we need to talk about. We don't really have the time right now, but I want you to know this is a conversation we need to have. And then we would, it's a lot easier than just coming at somebody and going, we need to talk and yeah. then just offloading a crap ton of stuff. And the person feels like you just came in with a battering ram and took off at them. Yeah. That's... And then it's like, Oh, I feel better. See ya. Yeah. And it gets, <laughs> it gets ugly. <laughs> so that's it. That's hard talks. Um, we have several other episodes regarding hard talks and each one is just a new evolution and how to do it better with, uh, our most current experience. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let us know what your takeaways are. Let us know how we can help you. You can hit me up, um, man versus marriage podcast, uh, dot com, Co uh, coach at man versus marriage podcast dot com. You know, you could look me up on Instagram uh, at Quincy underscore Moran underscore, and that's where we can connect. So thanks a lot for listening. This is Quincy Moran. She is Jeannie Moran, and this is Man Versus Marriage. Podcast. How good do you want your life to be? You gotta live on purpose. For a purpose. It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. This is Man Versus Marriage, the podcast.